Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success when you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. You will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. Spear. Welcome, everyone, to another episode on our Daily Creed podcast show. And today we have Dr. Kent Ingalls serves as the 15th president of Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. Before becoming SEU's president in 2011, Dr. Ingalls held leadership positions in higher education and the nonprofit sector. He is an expert in leading turnaround organizations and led teams through transformational change in Los Angeles, Chicago, and Seattle. During his tenure, SEU's enrollment has grown from approximately 2,400 students to over 10,000 students. Over 400,000 square feet of the student space has been added on campus, most recently including a state-of-the-art welcome center, as well as the addition of new sports teams such as football, wrestling, and more. Under his leadership, the university has been recognized by the Chronicle of Higher Education as the fourth fasting growing private nonprofit master's institution in the nation. Dr. Ingalls has pioneered an innovative education model through which over 200 partner site campuses have been added to the SEU network, offering students affordable and accessible education. So welcome, Dr. Ingalls. Thank you so much for being here today and being a guest on our show. Hey, JR, it's great to be with you and look forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So the big question that I always ask everyone to start out is what are you doing right now to make an impact into the world? Oh, wow. Well, I have the privilege to serve as a president at a university that's doing amazing things and coming alongside students, helping them to have access, uh, affordable and experiential education, which are three of the most important issues right now in higher education, giving access to and we like to call it a menu around here where we provide access from everything, uh, certification all the way up to the doctoral degrees, uh, and then make it affordable. We've been very hard, and I think that's why we've grown and had the influence that we've had. Uh, not only do we have our main campus in Lakeland, but we literally now have over 200 campuses worldwide, and and we make it very affordable, cutting the cost uh, by almost two-thirds of what it would normally be at a traditional campus. And then we also attach experiential education where we want our students not only to learn the theory, but we want them to actually, while they're learning theory, to practice that. So we get them involved in apprenticeships and internships and all kinds of ways that they can serve. So that's the kind of impact we're having. And, and it's just amazing to uh, to see how these students are discovering purpose and and really discovering kind of their calling and mission so they can go out and serve uh, uh, in life, learning, leadership and different ways they can. Yeah. So I love to know a little bit more about your story, about how you got into the education system and what what's your story that brought you to where you're at? Yeah, it's interesting. I have an interesting career. I've, I've been in, involved in a variety of, of contexts. My first career was in, in television sports. I was a television sports anchor, finished that career in Los Angeles, and then went into ministry leadership, actually, which was a whole different realm, but something that I felt very passionate about and had the privilege to serve in ministry leadership for about 15 years. Uh, again, uh, leading organizations, turning those around and, and creating health and vitality. And then uh, out of the blue, I, I get a call from a university in Seattle, Northwest University. 
and uh, and said, based on what we have seen in your life from from the way that you have made contribution in organizations and leading change, and the fact that you have been involved in a variety of contexts, we would love to have that at our university. In fact, we have a dean position we'd like you to step into if that fits your uh, you know, your design. And uh, I felt like it did and went there, served as a dean and kind of created a brand new college of uh, theology and, uh, and, and leadership, which focused again on how do we create ways that students can develop their leadership in, in uh, organizational change and transformation. So uh, did that for about six, seven years, and then uh, got a call from Southeastern University here in Lakeland, Florida, the traditional campus here, uh, asked if I would come and serve as, as the new president. And again, it was an organization at that time that was, um, they had gone two years without a president. So if you're involved in leadership, you know any organization that does not have a leader for that length of time, uh, it's tough for that organization. And during that time, the university had declined in enrollment, declined in, in, of course, a lot of revenue and so forth. And they were looking for someone who loved to lead change and transformation, which is something that I'm pretty passionate about. And then uh, we've been here now for 12 years as the, uh, I've been here 12 years as the president. That's really cool. And I, I love the fact that you said that you've done like the, the ministry leadership because I've, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time and my job in the military was actually an RP. So I was a chaplain assistant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I provided security for the chaplain and during time of war. So I've uh, definitely have a lot of experience when it comes to that. And I think in the ministry itself, you know, that's, you know, it, it's a tough space, but it's also a great opportunity where leadership leaders can really grow because uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're working from paid staff to you're working from a lot of volunteer staff and it's just, you work from every single personality and to be a great leader, you have to know how to manage that, which brings me to my next right. question from like a, I see in the background, your picture for framework leadership. I love to know a little bit more about if you have a system, if you have a framework, but when it comes to leadership, what, what is like your process that you take people through from like a, you know, whatever structure that you have. Sure. Yeah. I'm a bit, I'm a big systems thinker type of person. I love, I love systems. Uh, I think systems uh, is what navigates the journey to um, for growth and um, and not only growth, but health. Uh, Cause you can be growing and not healthy. And I think systems, if you have the right systems in place, you can have both. I've always used a, a simple uh, a formula that, that, has served to lead change and growth in any organization I've I've been able to be a part of, uh, and and that's what I call framework leadership. And it's simply four concepts that I use. The first concept is listening, uh, and and this is a principle from from good to great. Uh, Jim Collins uh, uses, uh, but he says this. He says you can never know the potential of an organization until you know the potential of of the people. And mm-hmm. for me, that's one of the guiding system processes. You have to know those who are involved in that organization. What are their gifts, their talents, their, their, their experiences, so that you can begin to put together the right vision that will utilize who they are to make a difference. And, and of course, that's what sets every business apart, every organization apart, every church apart, because of, of the people that are there. And, and when you begin to kind of delve into that and listen to their dreams, their desires, their passions. In fact, uh, the listening process I always use is appreciative inquiry. And I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it is a system that really draws out of people what they're they're dreaming about and passionate. It's appreciative. A lot of people want to start with an organization 
in terms of leading change by looking at what's wrong with that organization. But I've always believed, let's look at what's right with the organization first. What are the good things? What are the the powerful things that you do that nobody else does? And then begin to build on that. That all comes out of of listening. And and I've always believed you can't formulate a plan or a strategy or a vision without listening. And until we do that, do our job as listeners, we'll never be able to shape our role as leaders. And so listening is important. The second key to that framing process is all about auditing the context. And, and you can't lead effectively without thoroughly understanding everything about what's going on. So you're looking at, you know, what are the financial pieces? What are the competitive pieces? You know, every aspect of the organization, the competition that's around you. And that allows you to begin to formulate uh, and remember what you're leading and what you're designing and what you're developing uh, so that you can begin a trajectory of growth and transformation. The third step is one of my favorite of the whole whole process, and that's what I call clarifying the goal. That's where you develop this um, feedback loop system where as you've listened, as you've discovered, now you are creating communication that gets everyone on the same page, that they fully understand what is our mission? What are we accomplishing together? Even though they may all have different roles in that organization, they're still accomplishing a comprehensive you know, vision or mission. And I always tell a story about when we first started going through that process here uh, at Southeastern University. Uh, we, we had one of the largest listening and contextual exercises that, that this university had ever done, developing all kinds of constituency groups and so forth. But at the end, out of that, we, we developed a brand new mission that would help us accomplish the growth that we felt we could accomplish. And, and we developed that. And one day I'm walking on the grounds and I, I came upon one of our groundskeeper keepers. And, and I want to tell you, our, our campus is like a resort here, here in Central Florida. It's beautiful. And, and, uh, and I just was asking, man, what do you do around here? And I was expecting him to tell me how he does all, all the, the, the grounds and his particular role. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I do, Dr. Engel. We're here to help students discover their design so they can serve in life learning and leadership. He articulated the mission that we created. So, I mean, that lets me know, hey, we're, we're all on the same page here. We know what we're doing together, even though we're, whether I'm a president or, or I'm a faculty member or I'm a groundskeeper, I'm doing the same thing that they are doing in essence of, of mission. And so that's to me, one of the most exciting parts of the process. And then the final step in the framework leadership process is aligning the vision. That's where everything now is in place. People know their, their roles. They know, they know the mission, they know what they contribute and everybody seamlessly does the job as though it's perfect. And I like to uh, uh, use an illustration. I was in television sports. I finished my career in Los Angeles. I got to cover some of the major teams back then. But I remember one of my favorite teams was covering the Showtime Lakers uh, with Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and, and uh, James Worthy and Pat Riley was the head coach then. But I would, I would observe them during, during practice times. They'd get into the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning and sometimes wouldn't leave till late at night. When you watch them play a game, it was, it was showtime. But what I saw in the gym, developing fundamentals, developing skill sets, developing, understanding each other, listening to each other, learning each other, so that when they got out there, they could align everything together. And that's what the, the alignment part is for an organization. I have found, no matter what organization I lead, if, if I follow that framing process, 
I believe, and it's always been proven, that we will start to grow and we will become very healthy in an organization. Yeah, it's easy to follow. I know that's a long answer. <laughs> no, but I, I love it because it's easy to follow. But when you're talking about like the audit of contest, I was like, oh man, that's like the whole business plan. And for for anyone, not even just from a leadership standpoint, but I'm I'm also into the belief that if if a relationship starts to fail or if an organization starts to fail, it usually boils down to lack of leadership. And so yeah. you got to have good leadership. And this within my my program itself, I do a lot of business consulting. And there's something I teach called your daily pile. And uh, the L for that is leadership. And you'll appreciate this, but I use the example of Jesus when it comes to about leadership. You know, where the three yeah. pillars of you know one is himself. So he went to go be with the Father. So he went to go lead himself. The second is learning to lead the disciples, which is your team. And then the third is leading right. the people, which is your clients. So if you can't learn to lead yourself, it's going to be really hard to lead your team, which then in return is going to be really hard to lead your, your the people or your clients that you're working with. So I love the framework and I love systems. I mean, I'm, I, I consider myself a systems guy myself because, you know, to, and it boils down to when you have a system in place, it bring it helps you gain more confidence in what you're delivering, right? Which is what right. I want to exactly. ask next. Where when you're working with different people, and the reason why I ask this because. A lot of entrepreneurs that I that I end up speaking to, they lack confidence. They lack confidence in what they're doing. They they end up developing imposter syndrome. So my thought is like, okay, if you're more confident in what you're doing, then that's going to help fix the mindset and framework of you know overcoming that imposter syndrome or belief in what you're doing. But when someone's coming to you with the mindset of like, hey, you know what, I'm just not confident in what I'm doing. How do you help them overcome that and to also use that to develop becoming a great leader with your framework? Yeah. So so what what I walk through, I and I've written a book on this called The Nine Disciplines of of Enduring Leadership. And and I I help people walk through disciplines in their life. Uh, two of the most important disciplines. Actually, there's three or four that I, I would probably focus more when when I have a situation like that, a relational dynamic to encourage, to empower, but self-awareness and giving them a process of how to be self-aware of who they are, their their gifts, their, their abilities, their passions, their experiences. I find that when you begin to develop that and reflect that and are disciplined that, that builds confidence in a person because you can look back and you can see, wow, yeah, okay, now I know why I was good there. I know why this happened or I know how this uh, uh, transitioned and and it enables you. So I teach a, a process of, of how to, to be self-aware. Second thing is self-management. So how are you holistically growing and being healthy physically, spiritually, mentally, because all of that begins to build holistic health and that is confidence. Uh, mm. So that's huge. And then self-preparedness. How do you be a good steward of what you're doing? So I always tell the, uh, a story about, you know, I, I was in broadcasting for 10 years. I had a broadcast journalism degree. But when I left to go into ministry leadership, we, we went to, to really plant a, a new church in Northwest Los Angeles, and we built a team. But I, I went into that process having to become prepared as a leader. So, you know, one of the best things to do is go back to school and learn how can I become a good leader in that context. And so I went back and prepared myself and went after a, a degree in, in, in biblical studies and theology and practical leadership, things that I knew would be important for me to be the best leader I could be in that organization. So self-preparedness is, is another key aspect. So I tend to focus on those things to encourage and help people to understand how they can 
make contribution and grow in the organization. Very cool. I love the fact that, or, well, you mentioned your book, The Nine to Disciplines for Enduring Leadership. Give us a little bit of overview about what that book is and how they can get a copy of it. Because I want a copy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You uh, yeah, you can go to uh, KenEngle.com and all my books are listed there and, and you'll, you'll see that particular book. But the whole context of that was born out of the disciplines that I've discovered and learned in my life that have enabled me to be the kind of leader that I am. And, and I walk through those and sharing, you know, personal stories and, and all of that that, have, that that has been a major impact in my life that's not only helped me to grow and, and be healthy, but in the organizations that I have the privilege to serve and, and lead and with the people that I have the privilege to serve. I've always approached um, understanding that leadership is really understanding it's, it, you're not leading assets, you're leading people. No matter what you're doing, you're leading people in a business, an organization. It's by, with, and through people. So mm-hmm. if you approach disciplines that help you to understand that, then you're you're going to be well down the road in, in terms of leading change and transformation. Yeah, you mentioned something really powerful because between assets and people, I, I feel like as entrepreneurs, and I, I fell in this trap uh, you know, several years ago, and I, I talk about it all the time, but within my program where I was so focused on the number, the sale, the new people and how many people I can get into my program and stuff that I stopped looking at them as individuals. And I started treating them as a transaction. And so when you're talking about assets and leadership or assets and people, that's so true because I, you know, when I started shifting my mindset from, you know, treating people like a transaction and start treating them more as with a servant's heart, how can I serve you best? Then, then I grew even that, that much further, but that's, that's a, such a, a powerful statement right there. If you don't mind hitting on that a little bit, and but there, there's, I would like you to talk a little bit about the more more of the assets and the people. But the other thing that I want you to really hit on as well is a lot of us say we're leaders, and there's a lot of great leaders out there, but there's a lot of really poor leaders, in, in my opinion, out there. And we all have room for growth. Even the the best leaders out there needs that accountability, needs that that improvement for growth, or that has pitfalls, or or has different holes of where they're at. If you were going to evaluate someone as a leader, what are some red flags? What are some things that you recognize saying, hey, we can look for improvement here. And then almost the next step that you would take someone through. Yeah. So I think what's always important to two things that are always important for me in, in terms of recognizing leadership and understanding leadership. First of all, lifelong learners. They want to do everything they can to be the best they can be. And, and I, I, I go back to stewardship. So it, it, it all comes to if you want to be the best leader, you have to steward your life in a way that helps you to bring your best self to the context or to the role or to the position. So I always begin with that um, in mind and, and in start encouraging and create ways with the people that I have the privilege to serve to, to uh, enable them to understand what is the best thing in their life that they need to begin to develop and change to make significant more contribution? Because we're always going to be changing and growing. If, 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 you're, if you don't change, you become status quo, and then you become, you know, it's almost on a decline in terms of your, your involvement and your passion and your desires to make impact and make a difference. So I, I focus on that. A second thing I focus on is relational intelligence. Um, learning how to um, understand people, read people, uh, begin to figure out in ways that 
will help you to come alongside better in serving those people. So I'm constantly looking for that. And so those are the things that I will always make sure I walk through with the, the people I have the privilege to serve or to build up or to encourage or to challenge. Um, then I'm also looking for what is your unique contribution to the visionary framework? And I've always believed there are three aspects of a visionary framework that people need to, to be aware of and their contribution. There are, there are the transformational principles. This is how I will lead change and how you will lead change in your area of responsibility. The second thing are the values. Who are you becoming? Um, what do you want to become? How do you want to reflect this organization or this business. And that's huge. And then the third aspect of that is the actual strategy. How are you creating strategic plans and goals and objectives that you can measure to get you to the place that you need to go? And the thing that I always put in front of, um, of every person that I want to speak into their life is always have this question in the forefront of your mind. How do I build a map to a place I've never been before? because that's what is constantly going to be happening in your life, in your role, when you serve an organization. You're constantly building a map to get you to a place you've never been before. So that's how I begin to pour into people, encourage, support, strengthen, and do everything I can so that they can be a good steward of their particular calling and their particular role in that organization. Yeah. So re relationship intelligence or relational intelligence that we were talking about, and this is this is something that I feel a lot of people lack, especially in conversations. So we live in a digital world. A lot of people are on Zoom calls. They're doing sales calls. They're meeting new people. They're serving their audience within the there as well. But most of the time, people are so consumed or thinking about what they're saying next that they don't take the time going back to what you're saying in your framework about listening, but also understanding the body language of the type of people that they are even speaking to and just being aware, which another key point of what you're talking about in your framework that they miss big opportunities and making the other person feel valued. And so, right, right. so do you have something that can help people get out of this mindset shift where it's like, oh man, what do I got to say next type thing and really be present with the people that they're talking to yeah. so they can be aware of that situation? Yeah. Again, I go back to my framing process, whether it can be a frame, you can use that framing process in a, in a simple conversation. Hmm. where if you will take the time to listen, even learn body language, all of that, it helps you to understand context better, what's going on, helps you to be able to communicate better to that individual, and then allows you to place them in, in, a, in a particular role or a position in, in the organization that will help that organization overall. So I always just go back to my framing process that I have always used in terms of that relational dynamic. And the other thing is I'm very discipline in creating relational opportunities. If it's always only meetings about, um, uh, you know, organizational goals or dynamic, there is there, you don't have any relational element built into it. You will miss some of the greatest opportunities to create change and growth in an organization because you haven't taken the time to discover who these amazing people are that you have the privilege to work with and serve. So I feel like as a leader, I have to build that component into the system, have a system of relational dynamic that allows you to discover more of a relational way 
uh, to bring forth change and encouragement in that particular's life, a particular person's life, uh, and their role in the organization. Yeah, powerful messaging and 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 systems that you have in place right there. And I I definitely love to hear a whole lot more on it. And I know that you can speak on it for for days and hours. But when you are working with a particular audience or clientele, like who is the type of person that you want to bring into your organization, your academy, or uh, school into? So like, what 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 would you say is like your perfect client? Yeah, well, when I look at when I look at the the university context, I want someone who is passionate about serving students, love students, want to come alongside students. So that is first and foremost something that you when you hear them and you talk tell tell why do you want to come to this university? What how do you want to come? And you you can hear that, you can discover that, you can see body language, and and so to me. That that's the kind of person I want. Someone who's hungry and eager and ready to to the mission is all about these amazing students that come our way. And we have the privilege to pour knowledge and wisdom and experience into their lives. I want someone who's committed to that. Um, they don't have to have all the answers. They don't have to have uh, the expertise in everything. Uh, they just need to have that passion. And if they have that passion, then they can grow in other disciplines that will help them again to be better at who they are, better at what, what they do. So, so I think those are the things that I look for. Same thing in an organization. And a lot of times I'm not going to know that until I understand the organization, until I take the time to, again, walk through my framing process. So when I came, when I came here to, um, Southeastern, I remember my, my interview day on campus where I, they had me in front of every group from students to faculty, to staff, to community leaders, to donors, to, you know, trustees. And the number one question they, they wanted to know is what's your vision? Well, and my answer to them, I don't have one. And you could see it on their faces. Well, you're not going to be our next president. But then I begin to walk them through why I said that. Until I spend time here relationally with you and discover who you are and discover the people and, and the students and everything about this organization, then I can't know how to begin to empower, to lead you, to guide you, to create the kind of change that I think all of us together can accomplish. So that's, that's always been my approach in the way that I've, I've, I've led organizations, no matter what context, whether that was in, in television or whether that is in, in ministry leadership or, or whether it's now in, in university leadership. Yeah. That's so true that, to really think about. And I think we majority of us look at it from a completely different angle, just like the faculty that you were speaking as like you step into it with the, already the vision in place and they were expecting like, okay, this guy's going to come change the whole world, change our organization and what we're doing things. But it's taking that time to really listen and really hear the heart of where they want to go. And then you create the systems and processes that helps lead them to where, like you say, the roadmap of where you're going to be going, which, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a really awesome perspective on that. Where do you, when the people come to your program, where do, where do you usually see a majority of them going off to after it, after they completed your certification, the degree, the program, or is there anything that you? Yeah, I mean, in a variety of fields. I mean, we're we're having people go into education, into business, in into healthcare. Um, I mean, we we have every kind of vocational calling you can imagine in in ministry okay. leadership, um, and, and so they're going in a variety of contexts, and 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 they're going into the workforce not only in in this nation, but we have people that are going into the workforce around the world. So I'll always say that the the sun never sets. On a graduate uh, of Southeastern University, there's some somewhere some uh, is is serving and leading and guiding and influencing in the world, uh, and and so we're 
we're so excited to be able to see uh, see that unfold. Yeah, well, everything begins with leadership. Doesn't matter where you're at, relationship or professionally. So I think you guys are doing amazing things. So that's that's awesome. So Thank the you. big the big question I ask every single person when they come on our show is, what is your creed? Meaning, what is the one thing that you're most committed to? That you'll be resilient even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best, and have the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. Well, my creed is is simply my personal mission statement, and it's two words: others oriented. That's, that's what I, I eat, leave, I live, breathe, everything. How, how can I come alongside people to help them become their best self? And any way that I can do that, man, I, I, I love that. I'm passionate about that. So it's, it's always about being others-oriented. And as I, as I serve people, then I know people are going to be the ones that will make the difference in the mm. communities, in the organizations that, that, that I have the privilege to be a part of. And so, so for me, it's simply being others oriented every single day of my life. Love that. Is there any last minute things that you like to leave the audience with before we get cut, you know, get off the show? No, just do everything you can to, um, always be aware of who you are so that you'll never miss opportunities. that will come your way opportunities that will accentuate your purpose in life and your mission and your gifts and your abilities. And when you, when you discover that, wow, watch out. The great things are going to happen in your life that are going to be amazing. Very cool. Well, everyone, that is Dr. Ken Engel with going over the framework leadership. And if you guys want to be able to get a hold of him, we're going to drop his contact information into the show notes so you can get a copy of his book, The Nine Dis- Disciplines Enduring Leadership, as well as uh, learn more about his, his school, his leadership program, and everything that he's able to provide. If you guys uh, have any questions, make sure you connect with them. But until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to the Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear. If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with JR online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at FitProFunnels. And you can also find him on Instagram at jr.spear. 